Okay, uh, good afternoon. Thank you all for coming. I know there are a lot of good sessions here today, first day of AWS. I appreciate you coming and spending your time here. My name is Danny Mace. I'm with IBM. I lead our application uh, platform business that includes our developer tools, that includes some of the capabilities we have around runtimes and frameworks with Java, Node, Swift, and programming languages that, that we use, and then the platforms that we, we run those applications on. And over the last few years, I've been focused on helping IBM bring its software portfolio uh, to the cloud, I would say, so the modernization of our IBM software portfolio, which we'll talk a little bit about today. And I've been busy uh, understanding how IBM can leverage our Red Hat acquisition to further its uh, cloud, cloud capabilities across any platform. So those are the topics we're gonna talk about here today. So let's go ahead and jump in and get started. And, and, in a little bit, I'll be joined on stage from uh, Artie. Artie, wave, wave your hand. He's the VP of IBM Security Business. This is a, a new solution that, we, that we've just released here on AWS. All right, uh, so standard boring chart, I would say, talking about the value of digital transformation in the cloud. If you're here at AWS, you understand that value. You're in the process of building applications, moving applications, or embracing that transformation within your own business. And cloud is a perfect place to bring a platform together, infrastructure, the uh, management capabilities, the software catalog, the developer experience, ties that all together nicely, makes it a great place to build, develop, run, and manage applications. Uh, one thing we're gonna talk about here today as we look at large enterprises, the majority of the cloud migration that's happened so far have been exactly what I mentioned, being able to build a cloud native application, start from scratch, with a blank piece of paper. So that's one of the primary motions of workloads in public clouds today. A second motion that's been very successful is lift and shift. So take an application that, that you might have on premises, lift that up, put it in a very similar platform or set of platform capabilities in public cloud. It gives you a big boost of workload moving out of your on-premises system into a public cloud. Lots of great value with that. Amazon's partnership with VMware is a great example of, of that type of workload. And those have been the two primary motions that we've seen in large enterprises to date. But if we look at what's remaining, we see that only 20% of the workload that's available to move to cloud or is projected to move a cloud has already moved. And so those two motions alone are not enough for large enterprises to fully embrace uh, cloud computing. And let's talk about a little bit about what's holding some of those applications back. Uh, many large enterprises have regulations, government requirements, sometimes culture, that's preventing them from moving their workloads. Their workloads might need to be located with the data, which is uh, for either cultural or security or regulation reasons held on premises. And so that's held some of that data back. A lot of our, vendor, a lot of our customers, in fact, I would say nearly 100% of IBM clients, and probably all of you as well, are using more than one cloud whether that's AWS, whether that's an on-premises cloud, using an IBM system, for example, on-premises. These are all cloud platforms, cloud computing platforms, and understanding how to manage that, govern it, compliance, policy across those environments has slowed adoption down for some of the complex workloads that may span across these operating environments. The last one I'll talk about is technology. So we're all familiar with technologies moving very quickly. If you're a developer, the way you write code today is probably dramatically different than five years ago, even more dramatically different than 20 years ago. Yet some of these applications still exist. These technologies are running the world's uh, foundation, economies, uh, for example, and they're incredibly important for large enterprises. So if you wanna take those applications, you wanna move them to cloud, there's a lot to learn for the existing install, uh, developers that you have, the existing operations and management and trying to find a way to help bring them forward and move them forward is something that IBM's very focused in. It's something that we call application modernization or enterprise modernization. And you'll hear more about that today as well as later this week from the IBM sessions. So if we dived a little bit deeper around that, what, what's IBM providing? You're gonna hear a lot about this build once and deploy anywhere. I don't know if anyone heard the announcement in February that IBM made that our Watson AI technology now runs on any cloud, for example. The, the ability to build an application based on the architecture that you want in a portable way to run anywhere makes cloud, the destination of cloud, the last choice that you have to make, not the first choice. 
and IBM's demonstrated that with its Watson Anywhere approach. And later today, we'll talk about our all of our software, all of IBM software, running anywhere, including the AWS cloud. Right? So that's a big uh, change in the IBM strategy, and it's something that immediately has benefit uh, for AWS, for our partnership with AWS as, as well for you. And we'll talk about what those uh, software opportunities are in just a minute. We've also seen the move to open standards, open source. You're probably going to get tired of me talking about open today. At IBM, we believe in that deeply, being able to take standards, open source, communities of developers, application frameworks, languages, platforms, whatever they may be, and provide security and governance around them. While the open source can be great, it needs to be governed, managed, it needs to have policy, it needs to support compliance and regulations in a supported way. And so being able to bring those open standards to that level of enterprise expertise is a part of our next generation platform, which we'll talk about soon. And then again, addressing those skills. So if I'm a Java developer building a JE application, maybe something like WebSeer or WebLogic or JBoss, for example, how do I become a cloud-native microservices developer? I need to change my DevOps. I may want to change my language. I want to change my framework. My inner loop development is going to change. The whole process, the culture, the technology, the tools, everything's going to change for that developer. How can we take them along and provide what's familiar with them, provide the tools to automate, and provide a point of view on what's the best practices for them moving forward? So these three areas are areas that IBM has focused on over the last two years in delivering with our next generation set of solutions in cloud technology. Again, you're gonna see the term open over and over. And as you talk through the standards, the technology, the compliance, the programming models, et cetera, they're all built on open standards, open fabric, open foundation, open ecosystems. And that's very fundamental to IBM and the strategy that we had have. IBM has been a strong supporter and contributor to open source uh, since it was a popular term in technology. If you go back to the foundations of Linux, IBM was uh, one of the uh, large enterprise companies that helped establish Linux as a successful platform in the community. We uh, d generated and delivered uh, lots of code at that time, but also put the IBM enterprise weight behind supporting Linux and certifying Linux and helping it remain free in the industry. And as we've gone forward in open source and open technologies have continued to flourish, IBM maintains uh, first an embracing, embracing of open source, but also to be successful, you have to be a leader in open source. You have to contribute. You have to have developers writing code in order to steer, influence, and drive the direction of that open source technology and know where that technology is going, as well as how to integrate it and make it secure and uh, compliant for enterprise customers. Now, I know all of you have heard of the largest software acquisition uh, in the industry to date, with IBM uh, buying Red Hat this year. In July, we closed the acquisition with July uh, with Red Hat. And now Red Hat's a full part of the IBM family of solutions. And I want to talk a little bit more about how Red Hat extends IBM solutions and how IBM is embracing Red Hat technology, its open source foundations, and what that means to you and how it helps you deliver uh, some of the original thing we started with on the digital transformation. Okay, I'm gonna switch the order of these two charts just for a minute. So we talked about Linux. Probably everyone here thinks of Red Hat, knows Red Hat as a leader in enterprise Linux. They're one of the, the key leaders overall in the community of open source, but in Linux in particular, you can see over half the workload in public cloud runs on Linux. It's the most used development platform in the industry. And I think what's really important is this almost 80% of container workloads run in Linux. As you look at the IBM strategy, the Red Hat strategy, and where we see the industry going, software is going to be delivered with containers. It's already being delivered with containers. It's going to be orchestrated by Kubernetes. If you look at all the major public and private cloud vendors, they're all embracing containers and Kubernetes across the board. And IBM is betting our software future on containers and Kubernetes. And we will deliver and already deliver our software as containers supported by the Kubernetes platform. And so Linux becomes incredibly important as the host for that workload, as the foundation of the platform around that. And Red Hat is the leader in that Linux space. All right. Now, if you look at where Red Hat has gone beyond Linux, 
Certainly they're a leader in the Linux open source community. They're a leader in the business. They're used by 90, 80%, 90% of the Fortune 500. They have 8 million developers building ecosystem applications and products uh, for their feature set, all based around Linux. And as we look at the future, as Red Hat has evolved, invested and evolved beyond that, things like the OpenShift, for example, as a Kubernetes platform for running applications on any cloud platform, whether that's on-premises, it's an IBM system, whether it's an AWS, or it's a managed service in any public cloud, or running on, on your own on-premises system or your own hardware. Red Hat has certified these vendors, these combinations, provided the security and governance around it, and extended the Linux and Kubernetes platform, provide a true enterprise platform around that. Red Hat has invested above that to provide runtimes and frameworks for building containers in Kubernetes, development tools around it, and has really invested in making Kubernetes the next generation uh, hybrid cloud platform for the future. Right? It's a lot more than Linux. In each of those cases, Red Hat is 100% open source. Everything Red Hat does is given and donated to the open community. They provide support around it. And in every case, they also contribute and lead in the open source community. In fact, the number one contributor, the person in, in GitHub delivering the most code changes to Kubernetes is a Red Hat employee, lives in Raleigh, along with me as well. And overall, Red Hat is the number two contributor to uh, Kubernetes uh, as a whole. Right? Obviously, uh, it was donated originally by Google. They, they maintain the key leadership around it. But IBM and Red Hat are investing significantly around that again. And why is that important? If, you've got, if you want to know where Kubernetes is going, you want to talk to the open community that's driving that future. If you have an issue with Kubernetes, you want skills, resources to be able to answer your questions, to be able to integrate it with uh, your technology and be experts in that. It's not just about consuming, it's about contributing as well. And Red Hat and IBM are leaders in that space. Now, we've got this great technology from Red Hat. What is IBM doing with it? So if we look at this chart, this is the IBM portfolio of products for cloud that we have is essentially all of the IBM software portfolio for cloud in one chart. If you start at the bottom, you can see we support any public cloud. We can support any private cloud that you may have. Support the IBM systems, Power and Z, as well as our storage solutions around it. And as we emerge, and you'll hear later in the conference about some of the support with edge devices that we're adding, as well with those endpoints, that for us is the infrastructure layer that we want to run anywhere. And this run anywhere is extremely important for IBM. You go one layer up, and you're looking at the Red Hat stack. That's the Linux technology that they have today. That's the OpenShift capabilities that they have. It's a bit of their management portfolio as well for running in a, in a hybrid cloud model. That technology is taken as is. I, IBM and Red Hat remain independent units within IBM, and Red Hat has their multi-cloud hybrid strategy across the board. IBM is, is intending to allow that to flourish. That's a very important part of the strategy because we want that red layer to run everywhere equally. Right? And so Red Hat needs to partner with AWS, with Microsoft, with IBM, uh, with on-premises vendors as well in an unbiased way. And so that red platform is intended to stay red as part of this acquisition. Now that open hybrid cloud platform can run on AWS as it does today. You can run your own instance of it. You can, you can uh, use a managed version of that for AWS and any other cloud as well. So you have the ability to run this workload on AWS today. Now if you move up one layer, and we'll spend a little bit more time about this in the layer charts, is what software do you put on top of this uh, hybrid cloud platform? And for IBM, we've invented, I would say, a, a, new, a new brand called a Cloud Pack. And I'll take you through what that means for IBM. But we believe it provides the foundational software that you'll need to build, run, manage, and deliver your applications. Whether that's building a net new application for cloud native development, or modernizing applications, connecting to data and AI, being able to automate your business processes, integration across your applications and your microservices, events, messaging, et cetera. You bring that across the board. You bring in security. We put security across the board on all these, but we have additional security capabilities as well. And then we provide multi-cloud management for all the environments that you run. We believe that blue box is something that all applications can use to accelerate their transformation. 
As you go up into more advanced technologies, you'll see things like AI and our Watson capabilities and analytics, as well as our blockchain support, which we'll talk a little bit more about, our Internet of Things, and our quantum computing capabilities. And then the layer on top is the services that we provide. We have over 90,000 cloud experts that are working with clients every day to help them move, modernize, be able to uh, build a cloud strategy, develop, manage, et cetera, uh, using our services, assets that we have around that. And so that is our, our stack of the IBM capabilities. And in each layer of this has capabilities, the majority, if not all, uh, are available on AWS. Right? They run on AWS. You can see at the bottom, they can run on your private cloud, and they provide that, that mobility of that workload. Again, we feel cloud should not be the first decision you make or which cloud or how you deploy. It should be the technology to help you innovate, and then you can choose where to run that today or tomorrow and, and move migrate that workload as needed. All right, let's talk about the, the work that we've done in our own software portfolio. In the introduction I mentioned, uh, I've been working for the last few years to help uh, modernize IBM's own, own software portfolio. So we built applications on-premises uh, that run on VMware, virtual machines, bare metal, and we started moving those applications to the cloud. And you've seen many of those on AWS. You've seen some on IBM Cloud as managed solutions. Uh, but we really wanted to, to relook at where we think the market's going and what's needed in that space in order to be successful. Uh, so for us, we've gone all in on Kubernetes and containers, if you haven't heard that earlier. We've refactored all of our applications and all new applications built in IBM are being built for Kubernetes as cloud-native microservices. We've, we've done uh, a good job at moving our portfolio over the last two years, so that journey has taken us anywhere from three months from some applications to more than a year and others, but we've refactored our portfolio, and we've delivered over 100 certified container products around that. And if you look at the ecosystem of container and Kubernetes software, I believe IBM is the largest provider of container and Kubernetes software in the industry. They don't see any other vendor approaching that level of sophistication and delivery and the, the sheer end-to-end uh, -end capabilities around that. So if you're going down the container and Kubernetes journey, it's likely we have a, a set of solutions which we'll talk about that can help you accelerate that journey. Now, as we've gone through the journey, we learned a few things. So we've decided Kubernetes is the foundation but you need standards and consistency to provide the experience. If you go to the AWS catalog, you know if you deploy a service that is gonna run on that platform, it's gonna be integrated with your catalog, it's gonna tie into your security, it's gonna tie into your monitoring and your metering and all the capabilities that you expect. There's a level of consistency that's expected. In open source and on-premises software, that's typically not what you get. You get a piece of software that you install yourself doesn't tie into any catalog or monitoring or metering or security. That's what you do as a customer of an open source or a commercial software. You put it in your, your catalog. You tie it to your security. You integrate it with your backend systems. That's not the experience that customers get in a public cloud and what customers are looking for. So for our software, whether it runs on-premises, whether it's managed as a service, whether it runs in multiple public clouds, we want that same experience. We want that same tie into that platform. As you saw, that red box is that platform for IBM that runs on any public cloud platform. So our, our security, monitoring, management, metering is all defined at that layer, and that layer is portable across clouds. So it's really important for our software to tie into the platform. The deeper, the better is our experience. Right? So you see, we've created a set of standards and consistency to drive that client value. In fact, we've set 250 uh, certification criteria within IBM, 200 of which we can automate for any software delivery in a continuous delivery system that runs every day against every version of uh, cloud platform that's out there, every platform on premises that we support. It even includes the latest build of Kubernetes every day, or OpenShift, for example, so that we can ensure we have knowledge that our, our software is secure, reliable, and runs successfully on these platforms. So that level of sophistication of standards and consistency was really important for us. And then, of course, as we bring in these capabilities, the certification uh, brings value around the security layer, making sure that there are no vulnerabilities that are found, that uh, updates are happening frequently. So we've incorporated all of that in these 100 
uh, software pieces that we've delivered in, in the Kubernetes world. Now, we didn't stop there. As we launched this over the last two years, we had feedback from our clients. So if you look at the number 100, that sounds like that's a lot of work, a lot of value in that. But I don't think there's anyone that could tell you what all 100 are without a chart and how to categorize them. And then if you start using them, obviously, uh, for example, you, you want to use uh, multiple solutions together in, in many cases. Imagine you're doing an AI project. And AI depends on the quality of the data that you have. So how do you collect all that data? That's a product. How do you analyze that data to get some insights to it before you get to AI? That's a separate product. How do you bring uh, governance to, to your data? It's a separate product. And how do you now, with Watson, for example, bring the insights that AI can provide? Separate product, right? We just went through four. And the process of collecting, organizing, analyzing, and getting to the insights of AI, that's pretty typical for every customer. And so as we went forward, we've decided to integrate our solutions across these use cases. They shouldn't be four separate products. They should be one integrated holistic experience end to end to make it easier for you to in, in transform your enterprise to adopt AI to move forward, for example. And so we've delivered six cloud packs that bring that foundational value that we showed in that blue layer earlier on. And we've taken this next generation of learning. So I said going deep on the platform is incredibly important, uh, but deeper is better. So let's continue to go as deep as we can. And then our clients expect to, to run the world's economy. And so it better fail over and scale and have high availability and security and governance, compliance. Those things are critically important. So we've added additional certification for those layers. So if you get something from IBM, one of the cloud packs, you're going to know if a pod fails or a node fails, that it's going to behave like Kubernetes promises that it will, because we've certified that. We've done an architectural review with the architect and the development team to go through the scenarios and test them and prove it. It's not just a set of standards, it's to prove it. And so going even higher on that bar of quality of service. And then we go back to, the, in the earlier chart, that not everyone's writing from scratch with a blank sheet of paper and can build the next generation architecture in the best practices, microservices. They may have an existing monolith that's running an ATM network in a country of Europe. And they need to be able to take those skills, the products, the assets, and move them to the cloud. And what does that journey look like? And so we've brought the modernization element into our cloud packs as well. And I'll give you a small example. Imagine you have a WebSeer, an IBM WebSeer Java application running your core business, maybe de delivered as a monolith. Uh, maybe you have 500 different WebSeer applications running on WebSeer app server. You've got a big single point of failure. WebSeer indeed provides all the resilience and recovery for that. However, it's a big change from going to small microservices with an agile integration architecture using the capabilities of the next generation cloud native architectures. So how do you get there? So in a cloud pack, for example, we build the WebSeer application server for running traditional applications into the cloud pack. So you can stay where you are. You can run that existing workload. And we put our next generation application server that's built on Linux, Kubernetes, our Java, Jakarta runtimes, the development tools on top of that, everything for cloud native. So you've got where you start today. We've given you what we believe is the next generation stack for applications. And then what's missing then is the bridge. So how do I get from where you are today to that next generation? We've built development tools. We've built automation. We've built insights. We've built a set of capabilities to help you analyze where you are, build that, those capabilities. In some cases, some, some simple Java workloads can be automated, fully automated, to deploy in this next generation hybrid cloud platform. It may not be fully uh, refactored into a microservice, but it gives you that first step ties into your new DevOps, gets you used to your, net, your next generation tools, deploys it, builds a container out of it for you. So we built the bridge. That's where you are today, the next generation platform, and the bridge to get there. And we put that bridge and that starting point in the cloud pack to help you along that journey. And as you modernize that workload, your WebSeer workload can be uh, moved, moved forward. You have less need for the capacity in WebSeer. You have more need for the capacity on the next generation platform and the, the licensing fully supports the migration as you go through that. So that's an example of uh, one of the cloud packs, how it supports the modernization journey. Okay, let me cover that well enough. Let's talk about the six cloud packs that I mentioned. I'll just give you a brief overview of each, 
And then we'll spend a little bit of time uh, going deep in the Club Pack for security, and we'll spend a little bit of time on, on blockchain as well. So the first one, the Cloud Pack for Applications. This is the capabilities that you need as a developer. It's your development tools for building container Kubernetes applications. It's the next generation platform for us, built on VS Code, built on Eclipse Che. It's 100% open source based around that. That's where developers uh, build applications, find frameworks, download uh, starter kits. It's important for us to embrace that open source from day one. We've partnered with Red Hat as well, leveraging their code-ready workspaces and code-ready uh, products in this space. We brought all that together, along with the, the existing runtimes, the Java, the Node, the capabilities and frameworks that you have around JEE and Jakarta, as well as uh, some frameworks uh, for Node, as well as the programming languages your developers need. So you have full support for everything that's in there for that next generation. And that bridge I mentioned, the modernization toolkit tools to analyze your Java applications, build the capabilities to move that forward, provide that automation, and give you that guidance that's part of it, as well as the, uh, the runtimes frameworks that go along with it. At the bottom, then, we've built this on top of OpenShift and that red hybrid cloud fabric. So cloud fabric applications will run in AWS, fully supported. It'll run on any other public cloud, and it'll support your on-premises environments as well. And that's gonna be true about all of the cloud packs. If you're not yet, uh, committed to a particular Kubernetes implementation. The Cloud Pack brings all the capabilities it needs as an embedded version. So you can just deploy your Cloud Pack, run it, no need to become uh, committed to that uh, particular Kubernetes platform. We'll, we'll bring and run uh, that container platform on premises if you need, or you can run in a managed service like AWS. Okay, the next one for uh, Cloud Pack for data. Most of you heard the story here already. Collect, organize, analyze, get your, uh, your data ready for AI, sometimes we'll say the latter day to AI, collect it, organize it, analyze it, and bring insights to that. It's integrated across those use cases as we mentioned, so you can start uh, with the same UI, the flow, the connection, you're not installing multiple solutions, wiring them together, creating the configuration, sharing models between applications, it's all fully integrated in the end-to-end -end flow. And again, it support that journey to AI that you have for your data. The Cloud Pack for integration is often used as well as a part of modernizing your applications. So as you move from an enterprise service bus in your monolithic architectures, and you want to start using things like Kafka and event streams, or you want to be able to provide an agile integration architecture so that microservices can freely communicate with each other without involving a centralized team, Cloud Pack for integrations uh, is, is, sorry, Cloud Pack for integration is the, the place that you want to start that. And then as you modernize your business process with robotic automation, your content management, your workflow, the automation capabilities you have to, to change it and, and improve your, your business, Cloudback for Automation provides that. And then as you start to have multiple clusters, multiple clouds, multiple applications running in different places, or the same application deployed on-prem and off-prem, how do you govern that? How do you use policy? Can I say this cluster is certified for FIPS compliance, or FISMA. And I won't let any workload that's tagged as requiring FISMA run anywhere else but that cluster. How can you ensure that? That multi-cloud governance that we talked about earlier and our IBM Cloud Pack for multi-cloud management provides that application insights, where your application's running. It provides a policy to ensure where it runs, how it runs, and provides an overall view of all your cloud resources and your applications running in those uh, OpenShift clusters across the board. And the last one we're gonna spend a little bit more time on is around uh, something we introduced last week called the Cloud Packs for Security. And while we've infused security and the technology from IBM Security across all the Cloud Packs, that's fundamental, there's additional capabilities that customers will want to manage their security posture overall. I'm gonna save this one for Artie to go into depth in, in a little bit, uh, in, in more detail. Okay, so these are our six Cloud Packs. If we go back to uh, the overall IBM stack, again, the infrastructure layer at the bottom, that open hybrid cloud platform with Red Hat as part of our Red Hat acquisition. The cloud packs that we mentioned at the top, those foundational capabilities, and some of the advanced capabilities on top of that, and then our services. So that's, our, that's the portfolio that IBM's providing. Again, the majority of that is available on AWS, which is different. We've never been able to deliver our platform, our software platform, on all clouds before. In fact, even our own cloud, we have not provided 
those six uh, Cloud Pack products available in our public cloud because the technology and architecture was so different. And with Cloud Pack for applications, for example, in fact, all the Cloud Packs, we delivered everything on all clouds available 30 days after the on-premises version. That's something we've never been able to do and really underscores an example of that right once and, and deploy anywhere that we're trying to provide to our clients as well. Okay, so that's the broad strategy overall. That's how IBM's leveraging the Red Hat uh, technology within our portfolio. That's how IBM's embracing a multi-cloud strategy, our software anywhere, whether that's Watson, data, AI, et cetera, our security, our whole portfolio is now available on any cloud. That's different, that's new. It's always been a subset, now it's everywhere. And that's our, our strategy going forward. I wanna take just a few minutes to highlight um, just two technologies. I'll give you a taster uh, for blockchain and what we're doing there. There's a session tomorrow as well to go deeper, although I heard it's sold out, so you might wanna get there early if you're interested in that. And then I wanna have Artie come up and join me and talk about the security portfolio and what we're doing there. Okay, uh, so uh, hold on just a second, Artie, I just went out of order. Uh, one thing I wanna highlight then on that higher level capabilities is what IBM's doing in, in blockchain. So IBM has a, a capability that sits above that blue layer of those cloud packs with their IBM blockchain platform. And you're probably familiar with our blockchain solutions and heard uh, many of our client studies and, source and references. IBM has been a pioneer in blockchain uh, from the beginning, whether that's Maersk for shipping or some of the food safety that we've done with, with Walmart, for example, that really changes the game. And if you're a developer today and you're thinking about your backend transaction processing, or how you interact with other partners, blockchain's a great technology for the next generation of transaction processing. Maybe the first generation was mainframes and the second generation was two-phase commit with application servers. You could think uh, simply as blockchain is that, that next generation of how you do transaction processing for your applications. And IBM has a platform available if you wanna build and manage your own blockchain. You can use a blockchain network from any vendor, uh, that, that's out there, but if you want to build and manage your own, we provide that blockchain platform that helps you build applications with the smart contracts that run in the Hyperledger fabric, VS Code plugins to accelerate the development of that. We provide the management tool so you can manage your own blockchain to say who you want in as your partner, you want to deliver visibility insight to what's happening. Providing that on the Hyperledger fabric, uh, open source, where IBM is a major contributor and has donated much of the Hyperledger fa fabric code into the community is a, a key part of our strategy. And again, that's gonna run on that red open hybrid cloud, fouled, open hybrid cloud fabric, uh, including on, on AWS. There's an hour session on this tomorrow with IBM Fellow, one of the leaders in the industry around that with Jerry Cuomo. You'll see on the last chart, it's tomorrow at 11.30, I believe. And I think it's a, a great opportunity for, for you to learn more about that in detail. Okay, with that then, I wanna invite Artie up. Artie is uh, a longtime friend and coworker at IBM, is currently the Vice President of IBM Security. So please welcome Artie Bokar. Thank you. Thank you. So we've all been developing on the cloud platform, Security is the afterthought, right? Anyone agree with me on that? I get smiles on that every time. Now here's the thing, someone's freaking out about that security somewhere. So here's the average today, before life moved to the cloud, an average company has 40 security vendors and over 80 products deployed that are protecting all the development you just heard about. It's the most fragmented setup of software in the company today, for the most part. And now we've added more complexity to it because we decided, okay, let's move parts of our development here, we leave some of it here, we called it hybrid, and we created seams which created more surface area for people to attack. So from a security perspective, every time we see that fragmentation and the disaggregation of monolithic software, we also see that, wow, we've just magnified surface area for attack. And so a big part of that became, oh, let's just throw more 
products, right, at this 40 companies, 60, 80, 100 software landscape that you have for security? Well, that just makes it worse. So a big part of the Cloud Pact for Security that Danny talked about, the foundation of that was to, to convert that fragmented setup and provide a platform. The, the reason for the platform um, is now you can plug in a whole host of security technologies and look at the impacts of security in an integrated way. Let me give you my favorite example here is, you know, we talk about external attacks. 90% of security issues come up because of what we call insider threat. Either someone malicious within the four walls or somebody found access into the four walls of the company and, and or just sloppy development. I'm sure none of you ever get into that, but those other developers not here once in a while get into the sloppy development. And that starts opening surface area for attack. Here's what's required to find somebody. Let me think about it. So I'm traveling, I'm here today in Vegas. I log into my box account. Someone in the company knows that Okay, she logged into Box from Vegas. At the same time, if I ran a complex query trying to download access to supply chain information that I might have from an account in, say, Singapore, something I shouldn't do because it's the middle of the night in Singapore, the data systems will probably say, oh, maybe she has access, what's going on? may or may not stop me from doing it. The identity system has just figured out, hey, could it be a problem here? Add to that the network traffic. Historically, when I'm telling you the story, you're like, yeah, you know, data box, you're correlating it and saying, yes, her account got breached, stop all access, get her to re-identify, something like that. That doesn't happen today. Because all of you have identity teams for security, you have data security teams, you have threat management teams, and this data doesn't actually come together because invariably they're different products, sitting in different spots, doing different things. And it's up to somebody, a SOC analyst, who looks at all of it together that might correlate it and say, hey, there's a problem. And sometimes it's 48 hours before that happens, and it's 48 hours longer than you wanted that to happen, right? So step one is how do I get that kind of information connected into one system so you can see it side by side in real time to be able to flag the security issues you're having? It's situations like that that a platform that brings this information together starts helping. You see a variety of things on that slide. There's more security areas, obviously. Endpoint security becoming a huge, big thing, especially with a changing landscape. Um, in the world of cloud, data and identity security become far more important because historically, we've looked at security looking at network traffic. That becomes really complicated when you've got activity within your premises and across a whole host of other environments. And so, you know, the, the language used to be, oh, networks are perimeter, we're gonna guard the perimeter, we're gonna bear hug it, make sure it's safe. Well, that perimeter just kinda went out of the door, right, with the whole world of cloud. And so the new perimeter is the combination of identity-focused security, which, by the way, becomes really important in the developer landscape because you want it embedded within the applications, and then data security, because eventually what you're trying to protect is the information at the very core, and knowing where that information is. So we at IBM, and there's a session tomorrow on this, but we, we partner very heavily with Amazon and are as part of the security team, and we end up pretty much being an alpha, a beta user partner every time a new set of technology comes out. Um, Chris Collard's gonna talk about this a little bit tomorrow, but 
Um, there's people in, in the audience here who've spent time ensuring a lot of this technology, each of these boxes, individual boxes, are very closely tied to developer platforms that you would use and hopefully are using um, in, in the world of AWS. So what are the three core things that we'd like to highlight as part of this cloud pack? Told you about a platform, told you about all the pieces that could go into it. Three things. First, being able to access all those multitudes of products that you already have because no one's gonna rip and repla replace an entire security landscape just because. You're gonna hopefully change some of it because some of it needs to be changed. But you, but you need to integrate it and bring the, when, when I say data here, it's actually telemetry information that's sitting in all those security products into a single pane of glass, right? Bring it together. The second part of it, on an average, on an average, enterprises sometimes face up to 200,000 security events in a day. Does that sound scary for anyone here? That's because of all the code that all of you are writing, by the way. Um, but that's about an average. Now, most of it, most of it can be automated, right? And so being able to build out workflows and playbooks that run and systematically control most of it would be the right way to do it. And that's the second big part of the platform. Both the orchestration elements, the case generation, and then you can have the SOC team focused on just the most critical high intensity events that might take place. And the third part, in case Danny didn't say it often, is to be able to run this platform where you'd like it because with security data and security telemetry, it's the thing that you control the most. And very often, there are very strong rules based on industry of where it should and shouldn't run, where this, both the collection of the information as well as how security is performed. It's one of the last things that you move around too much. So keep it wherever you want it is part of the story. I got my own picture. It's a cooler picture than Danny's picture because I got a bunch of more logos on it. Um, but more importantly, I'll start with a new bottom layer. And it's about the open ecosystem. When we talk about security telemetry, security telemetry is produced by a whole host of different entities within your enterprise. And you want all that information to be analyzed to be able to target a threat. Now, we've built a whole host of connectors our partners are continuing to build connectors. It's an open connector framework that allows you to go access telemetry from a variety of products that produce security-specific information. We don't move that information. We leave it where it is. And that is a huge part of it. You don't want large volumes of your security telemetry moving from where the collection has taken place. You want to leave it there so the next layer up is the data service. It's a federation layer specific to security information such that it can gather the right amounts of information and perform analytics without moving the, the intel that's in the security products down where, wherever they are, right? And they're gonna be SaaS. Some of them are SaaS solutions as an example. They'll be on all kinds of clouds. Some of it is on-premise. Some of it is wherever you installed and set up just Splunk environment as an example. The next part of that is, okay, great. You've brought it together. You've got federation. Now you want to bubble it up to the top, right? The hybrid platform is what the architecture of this is based on. On top of that, as far as security is concerned, are specific solutions to help you create workflows and cases so you can track some of the issues you've just found by interacting with the security solutions downstream. And the most important part of this is the end user. The highest valued persona, and I risk saying it in this crowd, is the SOC analyst. It's one of the, the most sought after skills in the market today. We don't have enough security people in the market, period. There's over a million open security jobs, by the way. So that, that analyst that you have, you want to simplify what they're spending their time on. 
Today, they have eight to 10 different product screens that they toggle between to figure out if something has gone wrong. You really don't want that. The top layer is set up, the unified layer, and it's unique to this cloud pack among the technologies out there and among other so-called security solutions in the market that are trying to be a platform is a unified architecture and a, a, a view, a design-oriented view, ensuring that the high-priority issues are targeted by that SOC analyst first, right? That's that top unified layer. I want to go into a few very specific bits in, in this kind of story. Um, again, obviously, you know, a bunch of logos here at the bottom. Let me start by adding, you know, we talked about open with, um, with Red Hat, we're gonna add something to it. Uh, about a month ago, we announced the Open Cybersecurity Alliance. Uh, McAfee and IBM were the two largest players. There are about 20 vendors that joined that. The number one issue today is that security information between products is not shared. So if you've got two different products to, to, to provide security to two different parts of your infrastructure, the information doesn't easily and seamlessly move between those products, creating blind spots, right? And most of the attacks that you see are to go after those blind spots. The OASIS alliance that was defined, part of the bottom layer, um, is to create an open sharing community between the security solutions that you have so that all of you as our clients don't have to spend time doing it. That should be our problem to solve. We should have products and tools that interact with each other. So building on that alliance, building on the ecosystem of connectors that I just talked about, we build out this cloud pack solution for security, right? The end goal here is obviously to protect your entire landscape in a singular way versus siloed landscapes. Now here's what happens when that, so, I'll again skip the red layer because we've talked about it a little bit. But, okay, we've got all this telemetry from all of these places. The first thing you need to do is a trackable case because one of the other things in the world of security is audits. Yeah, I hate that word, uh, the A word. There's another word that's worse, P, prosecutors. Um, no prosecutors in the room, right? Not the conference for them. But, but in the world of finance right now or insurance, you start seeing those players come in. So compliance, but also being able to track and control that compliance is important. So case management needs to be an inherent part of issues that you find. So you track it, track it across teams, and work that. So the three light blue boxes start giving you some of those that capability. So you've got the insights coming from all of these solutions without moving the data. You can start orchestrating the responses to those issues. And then you can create cases in real time to ensure that you're tracking the cases across all the issues that you have. What that does is that takes that 20,000 or you know, 200,000 issues that you might have and brings it down to a few hundred that your security team really needs to deal with and you need human interaction, okay? Uh, pulling that all together in one solution. Now the demos for this are in the booth downstairs. You can actually go see some of this in action. Um, you can see security intel coming real time into the platform, combining that with what you might have with a curator environment combining that with information you've got coming in from Amazon, all brought down to one screen for somebody to say, yeah, this is a threat, yeah, this is not a threat. And if it's a threat, create a case and go on with it, right? I think the top three you've seen before, the run anywhere as you gain your security insights and take actions faster. So in the world of security, minutes count. I think all of you know that. Uh, it takes minutes, sometimes seconds, for something to spread that you don't want spreading. So the speed of response is a huge part here. I'm gonna end with um, a story that goes across everything you've heard about from IBM. Um, we talked about a lot of different things today between Danny and me. We talked about you know, applications, data, um, integration, security, um, managing across clouds. 
And what that, and sometimes it feels like, oh, you've got a lot going on when you start these transformation projects. Projects need to be as much as the geek in me wants to start every project with technology. Um, projects need to start with a business goal in mind. And you need to look at it from outside in. What's the business goal? What are the purpose? And what technology fits? That is, is sometimes a complicated process. The IBM garage is set up to help our clients go through a design thinking workshop that could be from three days to two weeks that starts helping design the architecture and the overall solution that may or may not use some of our technology, that may use a, a whole host of other technology. We've got hundreds, thousands actually, of certified Amazon experts that could be brought in based on what's required. But the, the, the end goal of these workshops is to build out and have an interactive session and build out the right solution and the next steps for you to go down as you're moving to the cloud, as you're going through your transformation journeys, et cetera. The, the people in the room would end up being IBMers, architects, and you know, technology experts, and then architects and technology experts from the client, and together, you end up defining the journey you want to go on. Hundreds of clients have gone through this over the last few years. We've got, I think, 50 locations around the world now. Uh, I think the last one we opened was Milan a couple of months ago. Um, and so these are in-person sessions at an IBM site. Uh, more information, again, at the booth downstairs. Um, worth checking out how we, we set these up and how we interact with these. What's next? A whole, a whole host of sessions. You, you heard about Jerry's session, Jerry Cuomo's session, which is tomorrow around blockchain. My favorite session is obviously the one, the security session tomorrow at 2.45. Uh, but I might have a small bias towards it. Um, there's more than this. But you know, we wanted to make sure they were set on slides. So the Wednesday afternoon, Thursday sessions um, can get more details downstairs. And Boot 616 is where all our demos are set up as well. I know the Cloud Packs demos are here. Some of the people who should be doing them are sitting here in the first row. So you might want to ask them questions and share before they escape from here. Um, but that's probably it. My favorite line and my favorite slide from the entire deck. Um, cloud shouldn't be a hard thing uh, for any of you to make a decision on. For us, our goal, and this isn't a short-term goal. I think this, is, this has been IBM's goal for a very long time. Wherever you are, we'd, we'd like to meet you there. And today, that is uh, a journey to the cloud. Uh, that journey for us, fortunately, goes through our partners world uh, at Amazon and AWS. Um, but I think I speak for all the IBMers, the 385,000 IBMers, uh, when, when I say we'd like to meet you wherever you are always. Thank you very much. <laughs>